the cleaning, the baking, the washing and ironing, and she's to have only two lane hens. Where's the use in that? She'd be better off with the money, and that wouldn't amount to much. She'll have the eggs to sell on market day in town, the same as the mistress and yourself. The sale of eggs, butter and cheese had always provided a source of income for the women of country households, and the men never objected to it. Maddie laughed derisively. <laughs> won't it take her months to get together a dozen, and by then they won't be fresh at all? I don't mind honestly, Maddie. It's better than nothing, Carmel interrupted. Well, I mind. It's high time you were paid properly for your work. It's worth more than two laying hens. But where else would Carmel find work of any kind? Thomas growled. The blight has killed off all the potatoes, and people can't pay their rent, never mind be employing others. Colour rose in Maddie's cheeks. And isn't that a living disgrace? The gentry, all of them back in England, and having their agents taking the crops and animals to pay the rent money. In good times, there's never much left over for food, and now the blight is on the potatoes again, and our people have nothing to eat at all. They're dying in the ditches beside the road. Rag bags of bones they become, and famine fever raging again. It should make you think yourself fortunate that we have jobs here, money, a roof over our heads, a fire in the hearth, and food in our bellies. There's men who would kill for all that. Maddie glared at her brother, although in her heart she knew he was right. As canal agent, Mr. James Mitchell's position was one of responsibility. He dealt with all the barges that came into the 30th lock on the Grand Canal, which ran from Dublin to the Shannon. He was well paid, and the house was very substantial, as was the small outbuilding in the yard, which was where the two Kiernan girls slept. Thomas, as befitting his status as unofficial assistant and general handyman, slept in the house on the outshot bed in the kitchen. This was really only a piece of heavy wood jammed into the space between the fireplace and the corner of the wall. It was covered with a straw-stuffed mattress and pillow, and had a blanket and a quilt. The whole thing was hidden from view during the daytime by a pair of long curtains drawn across it. Thomas poured himself a mug of buttermilk and watched his sister preparing the fowl. He and Maddie were very alike in looks. Both were tall, of slim build, and with green eyes and dark hair. But there the similarity ended. By nature, they were as different as chalk and cheese. Tom had ambitions. He wasn't going to be a nobody all his life, bowing and scraping, and thankful for any bit of a job that might come his way. Nor would he descend to the level of the poorer class, who scratched out a living and in desperation so often ended up crossing the water to Liverpool. No, he wanted to be a man like his master, James Mitchell, well-respected and well-paid, and Thomas didn't care what he had to do to get there. As long as he stayed in this house, he knew he could one day rise above the rank of labourer. It was fortunate that his employer both liked and trusted him. Shouldn't you be out, doing something? Maddie asked. Although it was a large kitchen by the standards of other houses in the parish of Rahan, whenever they were all in it, it felt overcrowded. No, there's a barge due, but I won't be needed. Why not? It's carrying barrels of porter, and you know what that means.
Maddie had finished her task and was trussing the file with string. Yes, she knew what that meant. They all did. The bargee would stop and quite willingly allow the agent to tap into the barrels, drawing off at least a half-gallon for his own use. Nothing was ever said, nor did it need to be, Thomas thought. Quite a few commodities came into the house this way, and everyone ignored the fact. The canal was well used. Sometimes as many as thirty barges a day went through the lock. The heavy horses that plodded along the towpath pulling the barges were unhitched and allowed to graze, while the water in the lock was raised or lowered by the official lockkeeper who lived in the house just across the narrow stone bridge. Nine times out of ten, Thomas himself would do the job, as old Ollie O'Hagan, the official incumbent, was nearly always drunk, a condition Thomas considered a disgrace for a man with so responsible a job.